What follows is a message given by Don Smith at Olivet Evangelical Free Church with campuses at Spring Lake and Muskegon, Michigan, on September the 30th, titled, Three Purposes for Marriage. Now, Don Smith of Bridge to Life Ministries, founder and senior teacher. I think a good place to start is uh, with, with Matthew 6, uh, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Why are there so many problems in our homes, our marriages, uh, in our country? It's because, if I could just put it simply, it's we're not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're seeking everything else. It's amazing to me when couples come to Bridge to Life for help and for their marriages, usually it's something like, I'm not happy. Or I had an affair because my spouse isn't meeting my needs and I'm looking for a soulmate and and the list goes on. And my question is, and a lot of them are, are Christians, I wonder why Christ isn't enough. That somehow I have to find my happiness outside of this. You see, wealth, spouse, children, whatever, our jobs and such, are not enough to meet the deep need that's inside of us. And the result of it, I I think, simply lies in the sense that instead of seeking our own kingdoms, we need to be seeking his, which means, what is is God's purpose for me? What does it mean... to pursue things that are eternal versus things that give me temporary happiness. And as a result of that, many people are hurting, and including ourselves. And I think many times we don't even realize the world has sucked us in to this mindset that we need more, we need to be more happy. And I would say, what would it look like if we were to really seek his kingdom? Sometimes I share when I'm teaching is... Um, When was the last time you just spent some time in God's Word to get to know Him? A lot of times in counseling, individuals will say, yeah, but, you know, I don't feel loved by God and and, uh, I don't think He's really relevant and He doesn't answer my prayers and such. And so I'll just ask the question, so just tell me a little bit about how much time you spend to get to know Him. Well, you know, I haven't opened up my Bible. It's kind of boring. I don't like reading and this and that. It's like, so you expect this mystical thing up in the sky to somehow bless you and give you everything you want, but you don't have a hard passion to get to know him and what he has done for you, not alone what he wants to do for you. As, you, as I've shared, I've had cancer twice. You know, when you have cancer, you're looking to see if there's answers and if there's hope. If you know the medical stuff, PSA, Gleason score, which I won't get into, but those are scores that are important to someone who has prostate cancer. And my scores were such that other people with my scores have died. So as I go into it, what kind of treatment should I pursue and what are the chances of making it and such, you do some studying. You want to find out what are your chances and what are the best options and such. Back in our part of a anybody can be a group on Facebook for prostate cancer. There's a number of them. And to read the stories, some of them, so sad. I just read one day before yesterday. Uh, wife said, my, my husband just died. 
from prostate. And, and often you hear the score, the, and this has been told to me, I'm now going to get off on cancer and I don't mean to, but, um, you know, uh, prostate cancer is, is the, the good cancer. Folks, it's not the good cancer. A lot of people die. A lot of people are healed and helped too. But my point in bringing this all up is this, is that you want to know what's best to do. And my question is, why don't we do that on a spiritual basis? If my life really means something and I'm spending eternity someplace, why is it important that I want to get to know the one who made me, the one who loves me, the one who's given his all for me? And we take it so for granted. So our passion and embrace of life is simply to use marriage opportunities to share Christ. So it brings me to three points. Pastor asked if I just say a few words about marriage. And when you teach on marriage, a 12-week course, two hours each time, that's 24 hours of teaching. And it's like, and I think I can get that into 10 minutes. Um, so I had to decide what's key, what's more important. And so as I prayed, um, here's three things that just... I feel like we're worth talking about. The first one is, our marriage is an opportunity to display the glory of God. Um, I don't know if you know, but in Genesis chapter uh, 2 and in Matthew, it talks about, and the two shall become one flesh. And the Hebrew word there, uh, bezar, is um, a Hebrew word for flesh. And that Hebrew word literally means, is interpreted, as publishing, preaching, proclaiming, message. In other words, when we become one flesh, we are a message about who God is and his oneness. Did you realize that in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is a oneness there? We call it the Trinity. If you remember in John, before Jesus uh, ascends to heaven, he's praying his prayer there, and he says, and I pray for them that they might become one like you and I are one. Oneness is a theme in scripture, and it also is in our marriage relationship. It's not just like, oh, there has, you know, it's all about sex. In fact, when we talk about oneness, it's talking about the whole person coming together, body, soul, and spirit. Our responsibility is to become one spiritually, emotionally, relationally, sexually. But not only that, but in so doing, the result is, is that it reflects who God is. So my question to you this morning is, how does your marriage reflect the glory of God? Does the way that you treat each other really make a statement about who God is? If people were to be at your home or in your car and see how you speak and treat each other, would they somehow see God in that? Would they be drawn to God? Becky and I have a friend, a close friend, who uh, is a bank teller. And um, she, uh, a little while back, shared this. She said, um, there's a pastor and his wife who bank at our church. And she said... Um, the way that the, and by the way, it's not Pastor Craig, so just in case you're wondering. But um, the way that he treats his wife, he belittles her, he treats her harshly, and he, she said, I feel sorry for that wife 
And then she said, I would never go to that church. Now you might say, well, that's kind of bad, which it is, especially bad. But what about our own marriages? You see, um, we are to reflect God's glory, who he is, what oneness, what harmony is, because it makes a statement about who God is. second point I want to share with you is this. We're to build our spouse up. I like the first in Ephesians 4.29, and it says, Do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only that what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. You see, what kind of words come out of our mouth where we're kind of ticked with each other, we say harsh things, we belittle, and uh, we say hurtful things, we feel like our anger is justified? I can't tell you how many times I have treated Becky harshly, only because of my own frustrations and what's going on inside of me. Instead of building her up, instead of caring about what's going on inside of her, which the verse addresses, it says, but only what is helpful for building others, or I could put, for building Becky up according to her need. My job is to put words of life into her, words that will help her be the person that God created her to be. She's God's child. How do I treat God's daughter? But it's not what I think. It's what she needs. Which comes to this, is that each one of us has a story. We have things that have happened to us, things that have been painful and wounded us, in different ways. And Becky has had things, wounds from her past. And the question is simply this, how do I treat her? One of the things that um, I'll take, we teach this all the time, so I'm not saying anything out of turn, but uh, Becky's dad was um, a critical person. And Becky is very sensitive to criticalness or negative stuff. She doesn't like anybody being upset because her dad was upset a lot and wouldn't speak to the family for a week or so. So when I'm a little bit frustrated or upset or something, she's like, wants to make sure I'm okay and so she wants everything to calm down. And uh, when I take my frustration out, I just wound her more. And my job is not, I have a right to treat her because I'm upset. Rather, do I stop to think and say, what does Becky need from me right now? What will build her up according to her need as a daughter of God who's been deeply wounded? We don't stop to think about those things. Rather, I just want what I want. I want to go to the next point. That is, dealing or deal with issues. There's a verse that you're familiar with, and it's simply this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not let the devil um, give the devil a foothold. Now, the first part is is, is simple. Uh, you know, don't go to bed angry is kind of the motto we often use. 
And I know couples who are very religious in making sure they don't take and go to bed angry. But can I suggest, I, I think it's really talking about anything you don't deal with. Anything that's in our marriage that isn't right, that we don't address, gives Satan a foothold to move in. We just had three weeks ago our 25th couple's getaway at the shack up by Fremont. And uh, 53 couples were there as we kind of went through some stuff. But our theme was protecting your marriage. As I've done ministry for 35 years with marriages, I ask the question, why do we get into a lot of the trouble we do? It's because we don't deal with it. We don't address it. We don't talk about it. We just kind of stuff it inside. There's a couple that just um, recently came to Bridge to Life, and um, the husband has left his wife for another woman. And um, the wife is just dumbfounded that she never saw it coming. And uh, he said, I haven't been happy for a long time. And, uh, and the wife is a critical, very controlling person. Um, and he's just fed up. He stuffed it for a long time. And uh, he says, yeah, I probably should have said something a long time ago. But I just didn't want to make more of a fight. What if they had talked a long time ago? What if, what if he had said, honey, I've got to share my heart with you, but here's what's going on. No. You know, here, here's what astonishes me. There's a lot going on in each of us in our marriage relationship we, we don't talk about. As I sit down with a couple sometimes, it's like they're sharing something and they kind of say, I never heard that before until they were sitting in the counseling, which to me they should have known for a long time. Do we talk? Do we, do we feel the freedom just to say, where's our marriage at? What are we struggling with? What are some things we should be investing in? Because the real goal here is to take and for God to take and really work in our marriage. And if, if there's things that need to be going on, God, I want you to have permission to do whatever you need to in my marriage. Or else if I don't, it gives Satan a foothold. Can I just say to you, I am not about to cave to Satan win. You remember with the verse in uh, John? can't think of the reference right now, but Jesus is talking about Satan. And he says, Satan is a liar, and it's his native language. What are the lies that you and I believe about our marriage, about our spouse, about our happiness? Do they come from the Word of God in the sense that... Um, no, it's, it's like, I, I, I want this, or I need this and that. And it's like, I, I think Satan probably planted that there because it doesn't go according to the Word of God. And yet we take so for granted these weird ideas we come up with and that we don't deal with, and then Satan just has a foothold and pulls us under. So with that, I, I want to, to wrap up. And I, I just want to say something. I don't know the condition of any of your marriages. At least, to my knowledge, I don't. But God does. And my, my question is, to what degree are you using your marriage 
to bring glory to God and willing to face and look at anything that's there that somehow would take and give Satan a foothold. And if you're like the average church-going couple, there's a lot going on. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Here's... um, I don't, I, I don't think that the problem is divorce. I think the problem is our complacency as Christians just to think everything is fine and we just keep going on. Satan doesn't have to worry, say, about Don and Becky's marriage because they just kind of exist. They tolerate each other and just do their own thing. God says they don't need a divorce. They're they're not amounting to anything anyhow. That's where the bigger danger is. Folks, our marriage can make a difference. Sometimes I think that's going to mean some good heart searching. It's going to take some real commitment. It's going to make some sacrifices to say, do I really want to make a difference with the days that I have left? I believe the Lord's return is near. God hasn't given me any secret message, but... Uh, I've been asking for it. But I I think it's close. And and folks, I have gone through my physical issues. You know what? Um, I don't know how much time, but I want to make a difference. I want to further the kingdom of God. And and when I die, I don't think God's going to say, Don, how good was your marriage? He's going to say, Don, how well did you love Becky? Becky, how well did you love Don? That's going to be the real question. You can at least deal with your part. And I want to be said that Don, in spite of his struggles, his issues, his failures, he was committed to God and was faithful. And so, don't don't waste your lives. Don't waste your marriages. God has so much... One of the joys I love about Bridge Life, and I'm going to close on this point, what I love is couples that come to us who are broken, whose marriages are falling apart, and God miraculously changes them. Things that I, you know, humanly speaking, if you were to ask me, Don, do you think they have much of a chance? Privately, I would say, I don't know. It doesn't look good. I never say that to a couple, because if you say that, they give up. But... And then God works. And I scratched my head. No, I I had nothing to do with that. But God worked. And folks, and then they have a powerful message to share with other people. How God can transform a life that's been broken and a marriage that's been hopeless that gives glory to God. And I'm just simply saying, you and I can make a difference. So with that, our, our, our mission statement is simply this. Bridge to Life focuses on the needs of marriage and relational issues for the purpose of reconciling men and women to God and each other. And our commitment is to do that across this country and across the world as God provides. I want to thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for praying for us and especially for lifting me. And pray for Becky too. She's the one who takes care of me and has to put up with me. So uh, that means a lot. Let me pray with you. Lord, You're faithful. You're doing so much around this world, as we've seen in the testimonies uh, this morning. 
it's not all about our little world and whether we're happy. It's like there's great needs and you're working. And we want to be a part of that. And we don't want Satan to get us off track. And so, Lord, I just lift up every person here, wherever we're struggling, wherever we're in pain, wherever we're discouraged, you're enough for us. And I pray for each marriage that you will place a hedge of protection around each marriage in a way that will take and um, draw them closer to you and to each other and bring deeper love and commitment. And so, Lord, um, we're not finished. We're in the middle of the fight, and we're going to trust you. So thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Don Smith, co-founder and lead teacher for Bridge to Life Ministries.